This is the business of sports. We're in a situation that we haven't dealt with in modern times. The pandemic here has really accelerated the investments that we've been advocating for for years. From a macro standpoint, I think our sport industry is really forced to look at the business a little bit differently. In-depth conversations with the leaders in the sports industry. Who wants to be the sacrificial lambs that shows up at the first big major sporting event? We're part of something much bigger than sport right now, and the health and safety of our stakeholders is what's most important. Every moment, I think we're all from a business perspective thinking about the impact that the virus is having across the country. Bloomberg Business of Sports from Bloomberg Radio. Hi, everyone. I'm Jason Kelly. And I'm Mike Lynch. And I'm Michael Barr. Over the next hour, we will explore the big money issues in the world of sports and talk to some of the biggest players in the industry. Got a heck of a show today. We're going to talk a lot about football because, guys, there's a Super Bowl happening this weekend. So let's start there. (laughs) Later on, we're going to hear from the guy who put it all together down in Tampa, Rob Higgins. But before we get to that, as we go into this Super Bowl, Lynchy. What's mm-hmm. what's your business head thinking about the possibilities, the challenges, and all of it when it comes to 55? Well, I first think of ticket prices because there'll only be 22,000 people there. Actually, 14,000 tickets because there were 7,500 uh, first responders right. who were being uh, flown in. Uh, so there's only 14 out of 66,000 seats. So that means you know supply and demand, the ticket prices are going to go absolutely through the roof. Uh, number two, I really feel bad for the city of Tampa. They uh, had the team in the Stanley Cup, but it was played in Canada. They had a team in the World Series, but it was played in Texas. And now they've got their home team, and they can't even have their home fans there rooting for them, not to mention um, the economic impact. The media didn't arrive until later in the week. The media usually arrives on Sunday, so all those hotel rooms that are going to be filled up, uh, filled up on Sunday through Sunday are now going to be filled up half full and probably only for the weekend. So yeah. I feel bad. parties, yeah. You know, yeah. all that stuff. I mean, all the you, all the yachts and the boats and the clubs and the con- convention halls. It's a, it's a fun place to have a Super Bowl. Yeah, but, absolutely. You know, absolutely. Yeah. Bar, what do you think? I mean, how are you? What's your mindset going into this? I, I is one Lynchy is is dead on. That's something I've always thought about. But the other thing is and, you know, old timers and you think about it, this is Super Bowl 55, and you think about it way back, 1967, the first Super Bowl, it, it wasn't even sold out, and uh, it wasn't even called the Super Bowl, it was the, uh, no. the World Championship, and yep. uh, it wasn't until later on, I, I forgot, was it Roselle, he had seen his daughter play uh, with a Super Bowl, yeah, and you know, then all of a sudden he said, you know what? That's a great idea. Super Bowl. And that's when Super Bowl three, when it was called the Super Bowl. And I just think about all the history and you go back and the way uh, life used to be when I was a kid, man, they would play all the Super Bowls on TV. Right. And and I, I just that experience, it, it was always special to me. And that, I guess that's what comes to mind more than anything else. Well, I'm going to be really interested to see what the ratings are. Um, you know, obviously many fewer Super Bowl parties. Like There are going to be so many uh, economic effects and, and ripple effects that we will get into after the game. Uh, economics, they are very good in the business of cards, guys, rookie cards. Mahomes, who will be playing on Sunday, Patrick Mahomes, Kansas City Chiefs, and Michael Jordan, heard of him, arguably the GOAT. Uh, record-setting $33 million auction. We're talking about 
cards, football cards, baseball cards here, Michael Barr. Oh yeah, there's a lot. Of, there's there's a lot of money in those cards. Let's put it this way: if you had a Honus Wagner, you, you would be like, uh, we wouldn't even be working right now. If we yeah. all each had a Honus Wagner. It's there's a big market for it. Now I, I want to clarify something too. We're not talking about a card that was in the bicycle spokes, right? And this and that, whatever. Yeah. It, the card has to be in mint condition, which they are. And I think what's amazing too, when you talk about the cards, is that you have industries that grade it. If you send the card to these yep. people, they will grade the card and it comes back and they'll give you the grading and tell you how much things are worth. Before we move on with the show, little shameless self-promotion. Uh, launched a new series this week via Bloomberg Quick Take. And the first profile in this show, it's called Portrait, is Rich Paul, uh, someone familiar to both of you guys, a super agent. His story, it is phenomenal. We talked about a lot of different things, but listen to this clip where he talks about what's happening when it comes to diversity, maybe starting to change a little bit in the highest ranks of sports. I do think there's an open-mindedness more today than it was of yesterday. Yesterday's owners versus today's owners, yes, they're definitely different. From an executive perspective, we still have a long way to go, but they're trying, you know, they're trying. And that's all you can ask for. All you can ask for is effort, you know, acknowledgement, effort, understanding, and a willingness. It's a different time. It really is. And I do think that going forward, there is going to be, the world will be different. And there will be an ability to be okay with the skin tone of somebody being different than yours. And the sun would definitely shine brighter if we can ever get to that point. And that is Rich Paul. He is the founder, of course, of Clutch Sports Group, agent to LeBron James, Anthony Davis, and many, many more. Uh, the fastest growing sports agency in the world. He's the subject of Portrait, a new series that I debuted this week, guys, on Bloomberg Quick Take. So check that out on YouTube. It was fun to do. I'm excited. I want, I want to yeah. see this. Now. This is going to work. Well, I'm excited about it, Jason. Congratulations. It's, it sounds fascinating. Well, thanks. Yeah, I mean, it's very much part and parcel with a lot of the stuff we've talked about on this show. Rich Paul has been a guest. We've talked to a lot of players about this notion of representation, uh, both literally when it comes to who you are repping, but also representation in the highest ranks of the NFL, the NBA, and, and all major sports. Well, earlier in the week, we caught up with ESPN front office insider Mike Tannenbaum. And if you know that name, maybe because he's the former GM of the JETS Jets, 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 also the former EVP of football operations for the Miami Dolphins. Here's a portion of that conversation. He talked about Deshaun Watson's unhappiness with the Texans. Look at what's going on with Deshaun Watson. Like, that's, to me, completely inexcusable. Six months ago, he signed a contract. What happened? Like, what did you do systemically within that organization that he's even thinking about leaving? He is too good, too talented, too young, too high character that he should be there, you know, for the foreseeable future. So I want to know what happened in that building that would make him want to leave. And um, that, to me, is really the conversation that needs to be had because Deshaun Watson is exactly what you're looking for. He's a top 10 player in the league, and he's a great person. He's a great leader. So... That's a question that needs to be asked is like organizationally what happened and fix that right away because you may go another 10 or 15 years and not find that player. 
you think about what happened with Deshaun Watson, you just look across town to see what happened with James Harden and his ownership and his relationship with his team at the Rockets, and he gets out. I mean, that's a fascinating case study there. Again, thinking about sort of NBA versus NFL and, and maybe them sort of blending a little bit in terms of this sort of power to the players movement. And again, I think what it does is it puts a much greater emphasis on your organization has yeah. to be – it holds the whole organization accountable. Like, And look at what Tom Brady's done in Tampa Bay. You look at it as an aura of association, meaning players want to go there. Leonard Fournette, Antonio Brown, Rob Gronkowski. And it's about giving players a chance to be fulfilled, obviously, on the field. But big picture, guys, it's about helping them get to where they want to go off the field. And again, going back to Watson, that guy can never leave your building like – that's what you're trying to build upon. So I would be really concerned if I was in that building and, and having to look in the mirror and asking really hard and sober questions of like, what in the world did we do here? Because Deshaun Watson is everything we want our team and the league to be about. The NFL, you have to salute them because they got to the end game, which is the Super Bowl here coming up in just a few days. They went through all 17 weeks with COVID hanging over their head, did you think that the league would get all the way through to this point? They deserve a ton of credit, and so does the NFLPA. It's really remarkable what they were able to do. And I thought maybe we would be looking at a you know March or April 1st Super Bowl and a, a draft on June 1st, but somehow, some way, they were able to pull it off. It wasn't perfect. I know a lot of the joy and enjoyment wasn't there for players and coaches, but given what you know, society as a whole has had to deal with, that's obviously very minor. Mike, uh, there's not going to be a combine in Indianapolis. I guess the, the players are going to work out at their own uh, you know, pro days on campus. So basically the senior bowl was it, where uh, guys around the country uh, congregated. Is this going to be one of those years where somebody is going to slip through the cracks or fall through the cracks or rise through the cracks? I think maybe a little bit of both. And I think fundamentally, like in talking to teams around the league, I think there's just a general concern about we don't know nearly as much as what we usually do. So I know some teams are saying, I really have a pick in 2022 when we get to know more about these prospects and, you know, draft in such a speculative way this year, because you know, there's opt-outs. Like one of the top five players this year is going to be Jamar Chase, a very talented wide receiver for LSU. He didn't play this year. So, you know, how can you possibly, what do you do with him? And I think there's a lot of those sort of like conversations about is a pick worth more next year than this year. That, of course, is just a part of our conversation with Mike Tannenbaum. He is now the ESPN front office insider, former GM of the Jets, also had a high-level position at the Dolphins. I got to say, guys, I love talking to him because you just sort of understand all the moving parts of running a football team in 2020, 2021. Good Lord. I mean, it was complicated enough before a pandemic, but now with – a real balance of power shifting, Lynchy. It is, it is that much more difficult, I think, to keep players there. You know, interesting to hear him compare Deshaun Watson's situation to Tom Brady's, one we've talked yeah. a lot about on this show. And if you listen to this, the podcast that we recorded early in the week with Tannenbaum, uh, a very unusual way that he broke into the National yeah. Football League. He he developed uh, the the salary cap strategy and sent it to all National Football League teams. Only one team responded to him and hired him, the Cleveland Browns, whose head coach was Bill Belichick at the time in 1995. But, you know, you think about, you know, I'll do anything. I'll drive people to the airport, which he did. I'll break down film. He figured out 
the best use of the salary cap for every single team in the National Football League. And that was kind of unique, and that got him in the door. And he's got a great job now with ESPN because, you know, when he speaks, he makes sense all the time, and you understand him. Totally. And, I mean, Barr, it, it really is a reminder. I mean, listen, it's why we have this show. Yes. This is a business underneath all of this. Like, we're fans. We watch the games. A lot of it comes down to individual performance, but – the numbers beneath it, the analysis, uh, Tannenbaum really embodies that to Lynchy's point. Oh, my goodness. And, and and Tannenbaum hit the nail on the head. And I know the analogy people hate it. But Deshaun Watson, people say that he is the poor man's version of having uh, Patrick Mahomes. But Watson is very good. And Tannenbaum is right. What in the world upset him to get to this point for the Houston Texans. This is supposed to be the guy you're supposed to be building the whole franchise around, and now it's all blown apart. Yeah, it's really uh, it's really fascinating, and, and obviously a lot of drama is going to go on in the NFL offseason. That is for sure. So, guys, coming up in the show, we're going to head down to Tampa virtually and talk with Rob Higgins. He's the executive director of the Tampa Bay Sports Commission. But before we do that, I think we owe it to the listeners to to make our picks. And I will reveal, uh, I'll spoil the podcast that we just sampled from a little bit from Mike Tannenbaum. Uh, he picked, I believe, keep me honest here, Lynchy, uh, a Chiefs win 27-24, right? Uh, go to my notes right here. <laughs> He's got the Tannenbaum. Remington. <laughs> we count yes, on those legal pads. Yes, he did. Yep. All right, so 27-24. That's Mike Tannenbaum. Uh, what do you think, Barr? What's your pick? I've, I've said it before. I'll say it again. 30-27 uh, is going to be Kansas City. Uh, the spread is about three points. And I see that being a shootout. I see it going over. Yeah. Uh, so, it, yes, I've made my bet online to bet the over because it's 56 and a half right now. Uh, so, yeah, I see this being a, a high-scoring game. All right, Lynchy. Well, for the first time in my career, I am going to pick against one of my favorite players of all time on and off the field, Tom Brady. I think, <laughs> yep. I think that if Kansas City needs to score 20 points, they'll score 20. If they need to score 60, they can score 60. But they're going to score 38, and Tom Brady's Tampa Bay Bucks are only going to score 27. 38-27, Kansas City becomes the first team since the New England Patriots to repeat as Super Bowl champs. I have to throw that in there. All right. I think you are both right, um, and yet I just like to be a little contrary. So I'm going to go the other way. I'm going to take uh, Tannenbaum's numbers, but I'm going to flip them around and say Brady, uh, the GOAT, marches down at the end. I almost said Patriots. Uh, Bucks 27, <laughs> Chiefs 24. So there you go. We'll see what happens. It's going to be a fun game to watch. I, I do think uh, this is a generational matchup in many ways, and uh, we'll see how it all goes. I know you guys will be on your respective couches Digging thought, in, digging I, into those wings. I thought you were going to say, I'm going to be contrary, and uh, I think Detroit's going to win. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. But listen, it's, you know, in a pandemic, who knows what's going to happen. Joining us now, Rob Higgins. He is the executive director of the Tampa Bay Sports Commission. Kind of a busy week for you, Rob. Tell us what it's like in Tampa right now. Uh, it's been fantastic. We opened uh, Super Bowl Experience presented by Lowe's last Friday. Uh, it went throughout the weekend. We um, just had a, a great, we've got a great setup with our river walk downtown. Uh, we had a lot of local fans 
come out, but they all have been doing their part in terms of keeping people safe and wearing their masks. Uh, we were then uh, closed on Monday, Tuesday. You know, we're starting to see the media uh, trickle into town as well. But it, there is just so much excitement. Uh, it's really taken on the look and feel of, of Super Bowl. And this is really a Super Bowl that couldn't have any better timing. It, 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 it's the Super Bowl when we need it the most. This has been the fun time for Tampa Bay. I mean, obviously, you've had the lightning. You you dabbled in the World Series, almost got there. <laughs> and then, uh, of course, you got the Super Bowl, uh, the first city to host the team at Super Bowl bound. It's got to be a big pickup for the city. It is. Obviously, uh, it's been a really challenging time over the last year. But to have these great bright spots in terms of the success of our teams, you can see everybody rallying around it on social media. You can see how much of a pick-me-up it's been uh, across the board, from the Lightning winning it to the Rays getting to the World Series to now the Bucks becoming the first-ever team to play in their home stadium. There, there's a ton of buzz here. People are excited, and, uh, and naturally we're, we're pumped for, for Team Tampa Bay to stay on this role. Hey, Rob, it's uh, Mike Lynch up in Boston. Um, this is sort of a good news, bad news thing that, that you get the home team hosting because if you have two out-of-town teams, that's everyone coming into town has to stay in a hotel. Um, is your hotel occupancy going to be way down from your projections? Yeah, I, I certainly think the hotel visitor room nights will be down from a traditional Super Bowl that took place pre-pandemic. But at the same time, uh, our focus is on the hotel visitor room nights that are happening. This will be the most room nights our community has seen since the pandemic started. From an airline passenger traffic standpoint, it's, it's already more than double what it's been on average. So this is a great shot in the arm. I think you know, we, uh, we obviously look at the upside of the Bucks playing in it uh, when it comes to media value. Um, you, you started to see with the addition of Tom Brady this summer, uh, as well as Rob Gronkowski, the, the, the media, the eyes of the world really starting to gravitate towards this team. And naturally, we knew hosting the Super Bowl, no matter what two teams we'd get, we'd be on a very big stage. But when you add in this historic element with this team that's getting a ton of attention, which they deserve, uh, the, the, the media value around this one uh, certainly makes up uh, for, for more than anything of a few hotel room nights that may not be happening. The other thing I would just say is, you know, the, the Chiefs kingdom, we saw it down in Miami last year. They, they absolutely bring it um, from their standpoint. They're making back-to-back -back Sunshine State Super Bowls. They have a great following. So from our standpoint, it's the best of both worlds. We've got the historic element of the Bucks making it, which has the locals really fired up. We've got a great visiting fan base, like the Chiefs that we're trying to roll out the red carpet for. Uh, you, you really can't script a, a better scenario in all fronts for us. And so, Rob, you know, when you talk about locals, I mean, one part of the economy that's clearly going to be hit is the caterers, the restaurants, the bars to some extent, especially those who would be hosting all those Super Bowl parties that those of us who've been fortunate enough to go to a Super Bowl week, at, you know, look forward to. What's the net uh, effect of that? And, and is there a way to you know, sort of compensate for it sort of literally or figuratively? Well, I think we've really worked hard uh, in tandem with the NFL to um, make sure we're doing a great job playing matchmaker. And it's through an initiative called Business Connect, uh, where we really work with 
minority-owned, female-owned, veteran-owned, and LGBTQ-owned businesses, uh, including restaurants and caterers uh, of the like, nearly 200, to do our best to make sure uh, we're introducing them to the right folks uh, that, that, that do still have opportunities from an economic standpoint. We've also had a professional development and networking series as part of it. But I'll give you one example. Last month, we created what was really Super Bowl Restaurant Week, and we had over 30 restaurants participate in it. And the results of it were, were nearly 3,000 uh, 3, meals that took place. So here you've got this initiative, this platform around the Super Bowl. It, it led to a big contribution to our feeding Tampa Bay, our local food bank as well. So, I mean, just an awesome opportunity. The Super Bowl is such a great platform to be able to, to leverage. So we're doing everything we can to maximize that no matter what the scenario is. And I think our, our restaurants and our small businesses appreciate the effort that's going into it. You know, Rob, you are no stranger to big events, uh, and you think about the logistics of them. You've worked on ACC championships, the Final Four uh, for the women back in 2019, I believe. Obviously, we are going to be thinking in the short term, but maybe even the midterm and the long term differently about how we put on big events. What do you think will stick, as it were, on the other side of this as we get back to some semblance of normal life when it comes to big sporting events? Well, I, I think that there's going to be such a greater heightened focus on health and safety, and I think that that is, that is key. Um, you know, obviously there's thousands of decisions that go in to the making of a Super Bowl, and I can just tell you, no matter how big or how small uh, of a decision that's been made over this last year when it comes to the Super Bowl in tandem with our friends at the, the NFL. Health and safety has been the driving factor with each and every decision. We've had you know in-person events that have switched to virtual. We've had indoor events that have switched to outdoor. Uh, we've had uh, just as, as, as any and every modification that we can make if health and safety uh, dictated that it was made. I'll give you the example of Super Bowl experience presented by Lowe's, which is a you know great fan festival for the very first time. It's free, um, and it's spread out along our three-mile river walk, where we can get people uh, spread out along it, it, along a lot of great parks. We can limit capacity. We can use a health screening app uh, before people enter to make sure they're doing all right. Um, mandatory face masks throughout. Uh, and then we have fan safety managers roaming the parks to make sure everybody's doing their part. So you look at that one example here, you have really the first fan festival that's probably taken place since the pandemic started anywhere, uh, where we're offering local and visiting fans an opportunity to create Super Bowl memories, but do it in a really healthy and safe fashion. So we hope this uh, certainly becomes the blueprint for events moving forward uh, so that we can get back to, to some semblance of business and make sure, again, we're all doing our part to keep fans healthy and safe. Well, never mind trying to do this in a COVID world, the logistics and the challenges of trying to plan a Super Bowl in general. This isn't like uh, throwing a party at the house. Hey, baby, get the chicken wings and uh, don't forget the potato <laughs> chips. There's a lot that goes into it. Can you tell us what you have to do to make sure Super Bowl 55 uh, is superb. 
Well, when you add in all the different elements uh, that that have been added uh, due to the pandemic, at times it certainly can feel like we're planning multiple Super Bowls at the same time. But when you have really strong partners, you can accomplish anything. It certainly starts at the top with our partnership with the NFL. They have been incredible throughout. I mean, we have been joined at the hip with them on Zooms almost each and every minute for the last year, and they have been the ultimate communicators and the ultimate partners. And then at the local level, we're fortunate to have tremendous public and private partners. So whether it's our municipalities, to our convention and visitors bureaus, to our law enforcement agencies, to our 8,000 community ambassadors that are volunteering this week and cheering people when they get off the plane and helping make sure you know they've got their questions answered and are, are greeted by a warm smile uh, at their hotel or anywhere else, it takes a great team effort. And so we are, are blessed to have so many different great organizations and individuals all pulling in the right direction because they understand what a unique opportunity it is to host the Super Bowl. You know, every community in the country right now would love to be hosting the Super Bowl because it gives such a great shot in the arm economically, socially, and from a media value standpoint. So we know we are blessed to be the ones to get it, especially right now when we really need it. And so everybody's pulling in the right direction to make sure this goes off without a hitch. I tell you, you do, Rob. You know how to throw big events very well. And what people probably don't realize is you were actually slated to host the Super Bowl next year. Uh, L.A. was supposed to host it this year, but the SoFi Stadium wasn't ready. I almost feel like the NFL owes you guys when they come up for the next one in 2025. Do you you have a hunch that you may get another shot at it uh, sooner rather than later? We've got to be really dialed in on these next four days. And so uh, we see the finish line in sight, and we're just going to keep our head down and sprint as hard as we can uh, because we need these next four days to go well. And if they do, uh, you know, hopefully the future takes care of itself. But but we don't have we don't have time for that. We don't want to be uh, the image of the uh, the runner that trips right before the finish line and somebody passes them. So you know our focus is totally on Super Bowl Fifty Five. We didn't get our fifth Super Bowl on a shorter time frame, as you alluded to uh, a few minutes ago, and and us stepping in for 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 LA in this scenario. We didn't get this opportunity because. Um, we didn't do a great job on, on our first four. So the key is that is to make sure that we do a great job on our fifth one and uh, in the future uh, we can talk about, think about, and be focused on at a later date. Rob, you know, just going back to something as we start to wrap up here that, that Michael Barr alluded to is, you know, you got a little title town vibe going there. What is it about the way the teams are run, the way the community is, the way the business community is that you think is sort of contributing to that right now? Because there's a lot of heat, pun intended, around Tampa. Well, it, it certainly is a lot of different franchises, a lot of different um, organizations and individuals, but it's all one team. And I know people may think it's, that's cheesy or cliche, but it, it, it's Team Tampa Bay. You see on social media Lightning players supporting Bucks players, and you see Bucks players supporting Rays players. And I think everybody is just really invested into this community for the long term, whether they're here for the duration of their contract or, or whatnot. You see people uh, and players 
that really um, care about the community and give back. And so when you have that spirit, that spirit of, you know, cohesiveness, togetherness, and that spirit of philanthropy and giving back, it, it really is mutually aligned and it, and it gets everybody on the same page. And that's what I think has us so proud is we know, we see the stories of how these teams are giving back to our community and changing lives off the field and off the ice. All right. Well, Rob Higgins, we really, really appreciate it. Uh, a very busy week for you, for sure. Best of luck uh, this weekend. I won't say who I'm rooting for, but I know who you're rooting for because you got the home team uh, for the first time ever hosting the Super Bowl. Rob Higgins is the executive director of the Tampa Bay Sports Commission. We really appreciate it. Thanks for having us on, guys. Uh, so, guys, big weekend, obviously, down in Tampa. You know, one of the things we didn't get to ask Rob Higgins, uh, although he alluded to it, Lynchy, was this idea of uh, you guys up in Boston should just be saying, you're welcome, right? I mean, like the Brady <laughs> effect, I-, I think you cannot understate the excitement locally, but also nationally in terms of looking at Tampa. It's inescapable that... Tom Brady is the sole reason why the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are in the Super Bowl. You know, I'm, and I'm just sorry. They, they just, he, he's a difference maker. Yeah. And he makes everybody else around him better. And they got off to a slow start this year. But remember, they didn't have a chance for any OTAs, any uh, camp, any exhibition games. So basically, their exhibition games and their sort of getting to know each other came during games that counted. And, you know, it, it, it Brady always says, and Belichick said the same thing, I don't know what type of team I have until after the sixth game of the season. And from the sixth game on, Tampa Bay was just roaring. And they were rolling, and they're rolling right into the Super Bowl. Well, and what's interesting to me, Barr, is this notion, and Rob Higgins was alluding to this toward the end, winning begets winning. You know, if if you have these, if you get used to winning, and again, Lynchy is like, you know, nodding his head here because, you know, Boston and all that. We're not going to deal with that. But, um, but it's a serious thing when it comes to driving the businesses, driving the economy, driving the valuations of team, winning. There's a story about Tom Brady going into this Super Bowl, and uh, it was told by another teammate uh, when Tampa Bay won the NFC Championship. Uh, one of uh, Brady's teammates started crying, and then Brady, according to what this player said, well, what in the blank are you crying about? You haven't won anything yet. Yikes. Now, granted, okay, Brady's been there 10, he's going to be there 10 <laughs> times for the Super Bowl. This poor guy is the first time there, but it goes back to what you're saying. Winning begets winning. And that's Brady's mindset. It's like, you haven't done a doggone thing until you take the whole trophy, Vince Lombardi trophy home. So that's his mindset. Well, interesting to see how Tampa comes out the other side. I think you are exactly right, Lynchy, by the way, that if they pull this off well, they basically say, we took it a year early, we did it in a pandemic, uh, let, let's re-up for Tampa Bay NFL, don't you think? Yeah, I think the NFL owns owes them. I mean, you know, they were supposed to have it next year, and who knows, next year hopefully is going to be a, a normal Super Bowl. Right. And, you know, this guy isn't making any excuses. He could be whining and crying and everything else. And But, you know, he's not. He's looking at the long-term picture. He says, you know, we don't want to be the city that tripped and fell, 
you know, 100 yards from the finish line. We want to cross the finish line and then just stand on our own merits when the 2025 Super Bowl is awarded to another city. Yeah, I tell you, that assignment, though, got a lot tougher because obviously when that decision was made, I believe – uh, we weren't talking about a global pandemic. It was just more yeah. about SoFi wasn't going to be ready. Tampa steps up. They didn't know they were going to have to be uh, dealing in the world that we're dealing in right now. My goal is to be the number one pick. That's something I've been dreaming of since kids. It feels better to be number one than number five. I wear the number because of Mike. We have a chance to go for three in a row. Good numbers at a good time. When I first started wearing that number, I was just happy and proud. Bloomberg Business and Sports, the number of the week. All right, gather around the radio. <laughs> Uh-oh. <laughs> oh, it's time for the number of the week. Jason uh-huh. and Lynchy, tell them what they're playing for. <laughs> well, it's a brand new washer and dryer and Ooh. a refrigerator. Oh. oh, I need an oven. I need an oven. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Quit begging. <laughs> here, here is the number. Uh, and this is connected to the Super Bowl. Uh, yeah. When it, it goes over... Uh, the uh, over and under, which people know about. Yeah. It's, you know, what that is. When it goes over, there is uh, the stock market, uh, if you go long, uh, it pays off. And there's a return on the average for that year, according to the S&P Global Market Intelligence Show. What I want to know is, what is the average percentage for that year, when the Super Bowl is combined for at least 46 points. So when it hits the over, right. what does the stock market do? What does what does the uh, the, the stock S&P. market, yes. And it, what How much does the S&P go up if they hit the over? Right. I'm going to say Percentage. 9%. The over, the over, the over, the over, the over, the over, the over. What'd you say, 9%? Yeah. So I'm betting on the S&P, right? That's the number you're looking for. Exactly. Okay. Uh, 8. I'm going to go prices right. I'm going to go 8%. Wow. Jason, you're a winner this week. I'm a winner. Oh, oh, man. man. In fact... The uh, average return is 15.9%. No kidding. When it really? goes wow. over at least 46 points. Now, this year, the over-under is 56.5. When it goes under, the results are just 7.3% in a gain. I have no idea how that's connected. That is the connected. strangest correlation I have ever heard. But, that I mean, yeah. a 15% gain in the S&P, that is... That is market. I mean, that's a that's a hell of a bull market. So wow. we're slinging it this year, man. I know where I'm going to go. Yeah, seriously. Yeah. There you go. All right. Whew. Yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, somebody's basking in the glow of a couple wins over here in the uh, <laughs> studio. Just saying. Just got a little warmer here you in New got, York City. You got what that blizzard? Speed queen washer and dryer, man. What that's blizzard? Good. All right. You've been listening to Bloomberg Business of Sports. We're here each and every week at the same time. Plus online wherever you get your podcasts. You can catch those Mondays, Wednesdays, and Thursdays. I'm Jason Kelly on Twitter. Find me at Jason Kelly News. And I'll trade you a refrigerator for a for in the wall oven, uh, Jason. <laughs> by the way, since you're the winner. <laughs> I'm Mike Lynch. You can follow me at Lynchy WCBB. Portions of the prices right have been edited. <laughs> you can follow me on Twitter at Big Bar Sports. You're listening to Bloomberg Business of Sports from Bloomberg Radio. 
around the world. 